Have you ever had a dream that just woke you up in the middle of the night and you just were startled by it? And in the midst of it, sometimes, unfortunately, those dreams kind of bring a dread. And there's a fear kind of in them. And maybe we've had a bad dream, a fearful dream, a dream of dread. Other times we have dreams that we wish they would continue. (laughs) In fact, we hope when we go back to sleep that it will resume. (laughs) That it will pick up where it left off when it awakened us. And then there are other kind of dreams that we have and they just kind of stump us. And we say, no, I, I think that dream means something, but we can't quite figure out what it means. We're kind of stumped by it. The Bible records for us a man who had just such a dream. A dream that startled him, awakened him, a dream that kind of befuddled him for a while, not quite sure its full meaning. A man by the name of Jacob. Before we look at his dream, I would like to just give a little bit of background about Jacob that will help us understand the setting of his dream and the meaning of his dream. Jacob was a twin. His twin brother's name was Esau. And when his mother, Rebekah, birthed them, Jacob came out of the womb grasping his older brother's heel. Esau was born first, Jacob second. In that day, that meant a great deal. Because the firstborn son got the blessing. The second-born son got the leftovers. Got a blessing, but not the equal of the firstborn. Jacob came out of the womb grasping onto the heel of his brother, and that caused Rebekah and Isaac to give him the name Jacob. Because the name Jacob literally means heel grabber. It described him perfectly. Well, as they grew up, they, as twins often are, had very diverse ideas about life and their plans for the future and what they wanted to do as an occupation. Esau was a hunter. Jacob was a shepherd. Kept sheep quite different one day Esau came in from a hunt tired and worn out from traversing the countryside and Jacob sat by the tents and he had made some lamb stew Esau came and famished he said to his brother I want some of that stew Jacob the heel grabber Wanting what his brother rightfully possessed because of his birth, said to him, I'll give you a pot of stew if you will trade me your birthright. A pot of stew for a birthright sounds fair to me. Esau, in his famished condition, said, What good is the birthright right now? I'm going to starve. 
I need to eat a deal. Shake hands on it. And he traded his birthright to his younger brother for a pot of stew. Later on, as the boys grew older, Father Isaac became blind, approaching death. His wife, Rebecca, favoring Jacob of the two, heard her husband say to Esau, go kill some wild game and when you come back I'll give you your blessing. She said to Jacob, come over here, I got a secret I want to tell you. Esau is heading out for a hunt and when he returns he's going to get the blessing from your dad but I'll tell you what if you fix a pot of of lamb I will season it just like it would taste if Esau brought in wild game and you take that and you give it to your father and you get that blessing that belongs to your brother I want you to have it Jacob did that he went in and he deceived his father. He lied to him. He said, yes, I'm Esau. I'm your firstborn. Give me the blessing. And Isaac blessed him with the blessing that belonged to the firstborn. Well, Esau came in shortly after. He had success in the field and he killed the wild animal and he brought it to have food for his father and to get the blessing. And as he came in, his father told him, What? I've already given the blessing. I gave it to your brother. And Esau, in anger and in sadness and grief, departed the tent and went out. And Rebekah, the mother, heard him say, when father dies, I will kill him. Rebecca, to protect her son, went into her husband and said, You know, I don't think Jacob ought to marry anybody of the women around here. I don't like the women of the tribes that live near us. I think I should send him back to my homeland, to my brother, who's got some daughters, and let him take a wife from that family. I guess the acorn didn't fall too far from the tree, did it? So Isaac, knowing no better, gave his blessing upon it and sent him away to go back to Haran, the homeland of Rebekah, to find a wife. That's where we pick up the story that we find recorded on the passages that I've printed for you in Genesis chapter 28, starting in verse number 10. We read the following. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to say, Boy, I've had some pillows that felt like stones, haven't you? I don't think it means that he literally laid his head down on a stone. The practice of that day when you found yourself out in the wilderness at night to sleep, you would surround your head with stones and rocks to protect yourself from the animals and the beasts of the wilderness that might sense you and come and perhaps do you harm. And so that's more the design here than the fact that he laid his head down on a stone to sleep, although 
he probably didn't have much else to lay his head on. So he lay down to sleep and he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father, the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of the city was Luz at the beginning. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a tenth to you. This records the dream commonly described as Jacob's ladder. The dream that Jacob had as he fled for his life from Beersheba on the way to Haran. An unusual dream. A dream of a ladder reaching from the earth to heaven. Now in your mind you might picture the ladders that we typically have in our land with the two side rails and rungs in between them, bars, sometimes little wider pieces of wood, kind of like steps that you'd climb up a ladder and you'd lean it against a building and you'd climb up on it. They had no such ladders in that day, and that isn't what it describes. What it describes is a ramp with stone steps, steps, similar to pictures you have seen of what they call a ziggurat, some of the altars that they build to false gods and it has steps that goes up to the top where they then sacrifice something to their god well this was just the steps portion a ramp with stone steps from earth to heaven and angels ascending and descending on the ladder on those steps what a sight to behold Along with the ladder, Jacob saw the Lord. Now, the description here doesn't quite fit the original language as clarifying the picture. We often picture the Lord standing at the top of the ladder, when in reality what it describes is 
the Lord God standing beside Jacob and the ladder over here with the angels ascending and descending on the steps. So the Lord was next to Jacob. And then we see the message of the Lord to Jacob. Notice the words. It's called, he's called the Lord, the Lord God. Just a brief little interpretation of those words because we frequently fail to understand them. The first Lord, you'll notice it's all in capital letters. That's done deliberately. And it's done so to make a separation between other uses of the word Lord when it relates to God. This use, the first one, where it's all caps, it is describing God in the scriptures with the original Hebrew word Yahweh. Y-H-W-H No vowels The Hebrew scholars had such reverence for God that they never pronounced His name And when they would transcribe messages from the prophets and the others who wrote and they would come to this word Yahweh they would write the letters and then they would put down their instrument their writing instrument and lay it down and they would pause and give honor to God that's how deeply they respected the name of God Yahweh we pronounce it frequently in our language as Jehovah and that term comes from a combination of Yahweh Y-H-W-H and the Hebrew word for Lord other than the fully capped one Adonai and what it does is it takes the vowels from Adonai and puts them in between the consonants of Y-H-W-H and you pronounce it Yahweh the personal one the personal God and then we come to a second description of him it's called the Lord God here it is combined not only with the term Yahweh but now the term God a more common word used for the word God Elohim interesting we won't go into it this morning but it's plural that's a plural word not a singular word a plural word Elohim is plural I'll just ask you a question and won't answer it this morning why is it plural? why is it plural? it is plural all through scripture Jacob not only saw the ladder leading to heaven, but he saw the Lord God who spoke to him. 
and gave him, guess what he gave him? The firstborn promises. The firstborn blessing. Jacob didn't have to cheat his brother. Jacob didn't have to lie to his father to get the blessing. God had it in mind to give it to him all along. And he pronounces upon Jacob the firstborn blessing. And it was the blessing that he had first given to his grandfather, Abraham. And he had repeated it to Isaac, his father. And now he gave it again to Jacob. And the blessing you will recall because we have talked about Abraham and God's promises to him. The blessing reads like this. I am the God of Abraham and of Isaac. And the land that you lie on I will give to you. That was a promise to Abraham. And I will give it to your offspring. Multitudes of children. You will have offspring. And you will have so many of them that they will spread to the north and to the south and to the west and to the east. And they will cover the whole land. The promise to Abraham. Multitudes of offspring you will have. Kings and rulers and nations you will have. The promise to Jacob. Furthermore, this trip that you're taking to Haran, I know all about it. I know all about it. And I will be with you. He knew things that Jacob didn't know that lie yet ahead for him in Haran. Not all peaches and cream. Very difficult times awaited Jacob. And God said, I will be with you. I will not leave you. And despite how difficult things become in that land which will come to you, I will be with you and I will bring you back to this place. And I will bring you back to this land. The land that I promised to Abraham and to Isaac and that I promised to you and to your offspring. Do you understand why Jacob awoke in the morning somewhat startled and amazed by such a dream and such a message? Jacob being ever the schemer couldn't help but put a scheme in play. He's startled by it, not quite sure what to make of all of this dream and the message that God gave to him. But notice the vow that Jacob made to God. If, if, if you will go with me, if you will protect me, if you will provide for me, if you will bring me back here, I'll make you my God. Oh, how generous of you, Jacob. And furthermore, to top it all off, God, I'll give you a tenth of everything I own. Huh. Ah, my goodness, how big of Jacob to make a deal with God. How generous of him to make him his God if God would fulfill the promises that he made to him. Jacob's ladder quite a dream 
What conclusions do you think the children of Israel made as they read this account that Moses wrote for them while still in the wilderness on their way to the promised land? They certainly got a glimpse of God. God is a God of grace. A God of mercy. He could have judged Jacob right on the spot for his deceits and his lies and his trickery. But he didn't. In grace he blessed him. And was merciful towards him and made promises to him. How he would care for him provide and protect him we see God as an omnipresent God not just a territorial God as many people in that day believed God was a God of the world he was going to protect Jacob when he went to a distant land away from this spot God would be there too the same God that was here would be there We see an omnipotent God, a God who would take care and protect Jacob because the children of Israel, they knew the rest of the story. (laughs) They knew the troubles that Jacob encountered in Haran when he went there. And they saw the power and strength of God to bring Jacob back to this land. They also saw the character of Jacob. Much like their own character. The children of Israel were a rebellious people. All through the wilderness they complained. And they murmured against God. God wasn't good enough. God didn't provide things the way they wanted them when they wanted them. And they rebelled against him and said, we don't want to go to that promised land that Moses is leading us to. We want to go back. We want to go back to Egypt. We were better off as slaves under the cruel hand of the Pharaoh than we are out here in the wilderness on the way to the land that God has promised us. This record of these events in the life of Jacob connect with Jesus. And let me explain to you how they connect. The words translated here in the passage that I've printed for you referring to the latter as it which in our language would be appropriate. It's not a being, it's a physical object. And in our language, we call them its. They don't have personality, they don't have life. But in the original Hebrew, that's not the word. It's the pronoun him, a person. It makes reference to him when it talks about the ladder that goes from earth to heaven. It's the word him. Now why the translators made it it, I don't fully understand. 
but it's actually him. So the logical question must come to our minds, who's the him? <laughs> that may not be great English, but that's our question, isn't it? Who's the him? There's a him, who is it? Well, we find that described for us by the Lord Jesus, where he himself tells us who the him is. And we find it recorded in John chapter 1. Now, I didn't print out the whole verses because it would have gone on to a couple of pages. And, and I decided to just print one of the verses, the last verse. But I will read the preceding verses so that you get the setting of the explanation of Jesus that I have recorded under John 1.51. If you want to make a note on your page, it actually starts in verse number 43. And we read the following. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good ought to come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus said to him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Oh. Nathanael said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said to him, Always correcting. Always correcting to the truth. Jesus said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, you believe? Is that why you believe me? Ah, uh, you'll see greater things than this. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the ladder the Son of God. Who's the Him? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the ladder of Jacob's dream. The ladder originally showed a means by which God in heaven communicated and linked with the earth. And how the earth linked with the heavens, the ladder reaching from earth to heaven. You will recall a few chapters before Genesis 28, we studied the story of the Tower of Babel. What was the purpose of the Tower of Babel? To reach heaven. Did it ever make it? No, it didn't. God came down and he destroyed it. Why did he do that? 
Well, there were a number of reasons, but a primary reason was because he wanted to point out to those people and to succeeding generations, you cannot reach God by building your own tower. You're going to try, but you can't. Your tower will not work. Aha, but my ladder will. My ladder will reach from earth to heaven. And that ladder is Jesus. God's Son in the flesh. God in the flesh. Becoming the means by which we on earth can reach heaven. And the means by which God in heaven reaches us on earth by the ladder, Jesus Christ. Now, we read in John chapter 1, going back to the beginning of John, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were created by Him, and all things that exist were made by Him. Well, who's the Word? We need to know who that word is. Read down farther in the Gospel of John, first chapter, and you come to verse number 14. And it says, And the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth. No man has ever existed like this one. The very image of God. The scriptures tell us that all of the fullness of God dwells in him bodily. And Jesus himself said, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. The latter. Jesus. God's provision for us. To ascend into heaven. And the coming of the Lord Jesus reversed the curses of Babel and fulfilled the promises of Jacob's ladder. The Him who became flesh, the one by whom we on earth can link to God in His glorious heaven. And the one by whom he will connect and link with us. Mankind on earth. We also find God making promises. The Lord Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He told his disciples. Even unto the end of the earth. No matter how far you go. No matter how long it takes, I will never leave you. You will have my presence with you always. He promised his disciples. So we have the latter. Jesus himself who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Exclusive, you say? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. 
There is no other way but through the latter. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God who took upon him flesh that he might endure the same temptations that you and I experience yet without sin, that he might destroy him who has the hand of death, even the devil. And on the cross he fulfilled it all. Quite a dream. But it's a dream that took on reality. Because you see, we look back in history. We look back to the very beginning of time. And the creation that God breathed into existence. And he spoke it and it appeared. And we can see the history of mankind and his rebellion and his sinfulness against God. And we can see how throughout history God has progressively, repetitively, without stop, continuously revealing himself again and again and again until he came to his son. And the scriptures tell us that in olden days he has revealed himself through the prophets and through his word. But in these last days it says he has revealed himself by his son. Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 through 3. We can look back to the fulfillment of God in his promises, in his provision of Jesus, his son. You can say it's all a dream. You can. You can reject it all. You can say, Tom, you've really gone kind of around the bend here on us. We thought it might happen to you one of these days, but it happened sooner than later. And you've kind of gone around the bend here. Yeah, you can say that. Or you can listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit of God who would tell you He told you the truth. Now that might cause some consternation in your mind because you don't understand it all. I... I ask you to forgive me if I have in some fashion hinted or suggested that I know it all. Because I sure don't. But God has opened my eyes to see things sufficiently clearly enough to believe them. Too often many of us are like Jacob. If God will do this, 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 then I will bless him by believing him. That's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. God demands that we obey him and believe him and trust him whether we understand it or not. Because of who he is. He's God. And he can demand of us that we believe him in the dark. 
And that we leave him without fully understanding it. And we cast upon him our trust and our confidence and we say, Lord God, I don't understand it all. But you tell me in your word that you have given your son Jesus as a savior for people like me. I believe it. And when you come to the point of faith and belief upon what God has declared in his word, he will send to you his Holy Spirit to indwell you, to live within you, and he will progressively teach you. He will open your eyes to see more and more, to understand greater and greater, so that your faith will grow and grow and grow and become stronger and stronger and you will find yourself on the ladder some of you here are on the ladder some of you here have trusted God's word you didn't fully understand it all when you first believed And when you first called upon Jesus to save you, you only knew that much. But now God has opened your eyes to see more and more and more. And when you hear this record and this account, you rejoice with it. Some of you perhaps are like Jacob. You hear it, but it doesn't make sense because it's not what you expect. Maybe it's not what someone has told you in the past. Perhaps it doesn't fit opinions that you've drawn from from things that you've read. And you're not on the ladder. You don't believe God, and neither did Jacob. I call upon you this morning to believe him. Take him at his word. Trust him. Turn aside from whatever it was that you have believed in the past and turn and trust what God has said regarding his son and that Jesus himself has said regarding his person, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And come to Him. Trust Him. He will give you new life. Let's close in prayer.